you need to figure out a plot across an entire series rather than just one book or installment. Or maybe you're trying to plot a character arc across an entire series, and you don't know when things should shift for your character, in what book, at what point in the series, things like that. If this is something you're struggling with, then this is the episode for you. We are going to discuss the ins and outs of this in great detail today. Um, It's not terribly straightforward, but I will help you to be able to see what some of your options are and specifically what I do when I am planning an entire series arc, okay? Stay tuned. Hi there, aspiring fiction author. Welcome to Fiction Author Business School. Do you want to write your stories with ease and confidence? Do you find yourself Googling how to write a fiction book or how to write a character arc? Do you want to create a fiction empire, but you can't even finish the story you're currently working on and you find yourself doubting it will even be good enough? Hi, I'm Liesl. I too have been writing stories since I was just a kid. I wanted to do something about my fiction writing dreams, but got information overload every time I looked for writing help because there's just so much out there on the internet. I wanted confidence that I wouldn't disappoint my readers and a plan to publish regularly. I knew the foundation of any author career, including the marketing aspect, is a stellar and well-written story, but I didn't know how to be sure that my story was solid. I went on a journey to figure out what really makes readers tick and how to incorporate those addictive elements into my story. In this podcast, you'll find specific tactical fiction writing tips, solutions to writing more words more efficiently, and secrets to mastering your author mindset. So put on your fuzzy slippers, grab a notebook and pen and some chocolate, and let's write some fiction. Okay, so this question actually comes from the Facebook group, and I'm going to read you uh, what the person who asked the question actually said. So sorry, I should have pulled it up already, but here it is. Okay. I would love more information on plotting and character arc organization across the series. It's been challenging to determine a best practice approach and prioritizing what to work on and in what order so I can achieve the most cohesive results and best see how and when the internal character arc should be shifting within a series. Okay, so here's the thing. The human template for storytelling, which is what I talk about a lot, The reason it's so important is because it's so universal. So you should be using that same template or at least, you know, referring to it, using it as a reference, making sure you're hitting it, even if you're pantsing, everything that I always talk about. You should be doing that with the human template for storytelling, um, no matter how big or how small a level we are talking about. So I would do it... um, If you're writing a scene, you know, I've talked about using the 10 plot points to plot your scene. I sometimes do it for aspects within a scene, like I might plot a conversation, I might plot an argument, I might, um, anything small like that, right? But then you can take it up to bigger levels than that. You can use it to plot your magic system and how it's revealed in your series. You can use it to plot an entire book. And yes, you can use it to plot an entire series. So that's just a really long-winded way of saying that you should be using the same things to plot your series as you are to plot your book, all right? You want to follow the same basic process. Now, because it is a series, naturally, there are probably going to be some tweaks you need to make. It's going to be a little bit different than doing a book because it's much bigger. You've got multiple installments. You know, of course, it's not going to be exactly the same, but it's going to be very similar. And it's just going to depend on what kind of story you're telling and what kind of series you're writing. Okay, so for example, um, what if we're talking about chronological series versus standalone books in a series? And what I mean by that is that there are some series out there that are non-chronological, so they use the same 
character over and over again, but you don't necessarily have to read the books in order. They're just um, detectives who do lots of different mysteries or, um, you know, a lot of the espionage novels like Jack Reacher, you know, you might have different Jack Reacher adventures, but you don't necessarily have to read them in order. Okay, so that would be non-chronological, and that's going to be very different um, than if you're writing a chronological series that the reader needs to read in order in order for it to make sense. So you have to figure out what kind of story you're writing, you know, across your series, and that's going to be your step one. Um, But here's the thing. Most people, I would wager, do not think that there is a way to plan an entire series in advance. It's too much. You know, things are going to change too much. How am I supposed to know where it's going? All of that. But contrary to popular belief, there is a way to do this. And as I always say, nothing is written in stone. Having a plan does not mean that you absolutely have to stick to it come hell or high water. Of course, things are going to change as you write. You know, you'll be thinking about things differently. You're going to get inspiration along the way that you might want to um, switch course or, you know, write something new into the series plan or something. And that's all totally, totally fine. Feel free to do that. But I would still highly recommend that you have a series plan, even if it's just a skeleton of one, when you begin. In fact, it would be better if it's a skeleton of one, if you knew like the the big events that are going to happen in the series, but I wouldn't go into a whole lot of detail just because it is probably going to change as you go along. And you don't want to basically write the whole series and then rewrite the whole series, right? So don't do that. But it is really important that you have a series plan, even if it's, again, not very detailed, because... It's important for you to understand where you're going with it, okay? So it's very similar to when you're writing a book. I always say you need to have the end in mind um, because until you know where you're going, it's hard to focus the earlier chapters and the rest of the story on that end point. So jumping into a series without having any kind of series plan or any idea where you're going near the end of the series is the equivalent of pantsing your story with absolutely no idea where it's going to end up. So can you do that if you want? Absolutely. And lots of writers do. But of course, it's going to take much longer (laughs) and you might end up with a much less cohesive story. And in a way that actually becomes compounded when it comes to a series because let's say you're somebody who likes to pants your book. Okay. That's just the way you write. It's your process. And that's fantastic. Okay. That's just, everyone is unique in that way. Well, you certainly can pants your story. And then, as I always say, when you get to the end of it and you've figured out what the story is, then you go back to the beginning and you make sure that the story is all focused and very cohesive. And you have to go in and put the different um, aspects, the different elements, the different plot points for the human template in on the second run through. Okay, now I don't prefer that because to me, it takes a lot of time and I feel like that's a waste of time. I'm not saying it is for you. For some people, that's just their process and they wouldn't consider it a waste of time. But for me and my personality, I I can't stand the idea of wasting that much time and then having to go through a second time when I can just plan it in advance and get it right the first time for the most part. So that is why I will always be mostly an outliner, right? But that's going to depend on your process and your personality. Okay, but when it comes to writing a series, the problem is that most of us don't want to write the entire series before we put out book one. So if you don't know where you're going with the series and you just start publishing book one, book two, and are just sort of pantsing overall where you're going with it for the series, it's really not going to be very cohesive because you can't really go back and make massive plot changes to book one if it's already been published, or at least most people are not going to want to do that. And don't kid yourself, we all know you're not going to do that, okay? It's it's kind of the same. I'm going to make the same argument here. When I tell people that they can pants and then go back on the second run through and figure out all of the human template stuff, that's true theoretically, but 
I also know <laughs> that most people don't do that. They don't do much work on it. And even if they do, they just sort of pepper it in here and there. And so you're still going to have kind of a meandering story because most people, once it's written, don't want to go back and do all this intensive work on the same story they just finished, right? So that's why it's, I personally think it's better to outline because most of us, including me by nature, are just kind of lazy in that way. And we don't necessarily want to go back and do all that work again. So very few people do. If you do and you're one of them, then more power to you. But I'm saying 99% of people will not actually go back and do the work to make sure the story is cohesive. Once they get through the pantsing and know what it's about, they'll go back and edit for like, um, you know, grammar and maybe crutch words, but when it comes to the plot, they're not creating this really focused story from beginning to end that you can feel like that was always where it was going, okay? And that's how you create that element of destiny in the story. So that's what you want to do, but most people are not willing to do the work to do it. If they've gone through it once, they don't want to go back and change everything. Um, well, the same is true on a series level, right? So that's why I think it's important that you have a series plan about where you're going to end up. Now, if along the way you end up adding installments or you get inspiration, you decide to do something else with the character, that's fine. You can do that. You can add installments to a series. It's your series. It's your story. You can do whatever you want. But if you keep the series plan, then you can add things but still end up where you were originally planning to end up. And that not only makes the story feel cohesive from beginning to end, but it helps you to stay on the rails so that you're not going way off onto some tangent that probably isn't serving your story anyway. Okay? So, um... Let's come back to what I was saying. There's definitely a way to do this. There's a way to plan your story in advance and, you know, as a series. And it actually leaves a lot of room for deviations so that you can do different things with it. You can go in different directions, but always still stick to your ultimate where you're going with it, you know. And then um, it, it's just going to feel a lot more cohesive. It's going to feel a lot more like an all-inclusive world and an all-inclusive story and like you are such a genius author because you always knew you were going there, right? <laughs> and honestly, guys, in, in all seriousness, you can always do whatever you want. So you can take this advice or leave it. Um, it's completely up to you what your process is. But if you truly want to become very, very skilled at fiction writing, you've got to start understanding the human template for storytelling and using it and taking it into account and planning your writing at least to some extent, okay? That's true of your writing on a single book level and it is also true on a full series level, okay? So I'm sure your next question is, okay, but how do I do that? Well, I'm not going to talk in great detail about the internal arc here, but don't worry, I'm going to talk about the plot points here, and then you can apply the same thing to the internal arc, okay? So, as I said, you should be using the human template for storytelling to plan your series. So, on the most basic level, when it comes to the plot, what I always use are my 10 plot points. Um, the PDF, if you don't have it, is called uh, 10, uh, let's see, is it? 10 plot thickening points for a page turning story. Um, and I will make sure to link that up in the show notes. So if you don't have it, you can download it. It's free. Um, basically, what you're going to be wanting to look at are the climactic points in each installment of your series. Why? Because the climactic moment is when everything changes. It changes for the character. That's when they're inner arc comes full circle, right? And when they might change internally. And then that usually results in some sort of plot change as well. They overcome the villain or overcome the antagonistic force, or maybe they don't. I mean, it's the, the, you know, I always say that my favorite definition of story is the one from Vogler that says a story is a metaphor for a journey that leads to change. The change actually happens right around the climactic moment. Okay. So everything up 
to then is leading toward that change, is pointing toward that change. But that's when it actually happens. So you're going to want to look at the climactic moments um, of each installment in your series, and that is where there's going to be a turning point. There's going to be a change for the character. So basically what I do is I take my 10 plot points for the entire series. I think about how I want the main point of view character to change over the course of the entire series. And chances are each of those plot points is going to end up corresponding with the climactic moment in one book of the series. Now, of course, that's very broad and very general, and it's also going to depend on how long a series you're writing. There are 10 plot points. If you're only writing a three-book series, obviously you're not going to want 10 books because you just don't want that. It's too long. On the flip side, if you're writing a 15-book series, then 10 plot points is not going to cover everything. So you have to fit this to your story. Now, let me give you an example of what it might look like, and then I'll go into a little bit more of the um, practical ways you can... Uh, adapt this for your story, okay? We're going to talk about Harry Potter. Hey guys, I am interrupting this episode for just a quick minute to tell you that it is brought to you by Pro Writing Aid. This is a software that helps you edit by showing you where there are problems in your manuscript. Do you sometimes feel like your writing is amateurish sounding? Like no matter how much you edit or how good your grammar is, it still feels just more trite than your favorite author who is already published and widely read? Well, I can tell you that if you have this problem, the amateur sound of your writing comes from using too much passive voice. And that is just one of the things that Pro Writing Aid can help with. It shows you where you have grammar mistakes, typos, and yes, it does show you where passive voice is so that you can fix it. And I promise you that as soon as you get rid of that passive voice, the amateurish feel of your writing will go away as well. So if that's something that your writing could benefit from, go to bit.ly forward slash one They have three different tiers of payment plans. You can pay by the month, by the year, or you can do one lifetime payment so that you never have to pay for it again. So there's something for every budget. Never worry about your writing sounding amateurish again. Go to bit.ly forward slash one and check out Pro Writing Aid. The first thing I'll say is that the first three plot points, which is the world before, uh, the intro of the conflict, and then the call to adventure, they are out of necessity probably all going to happen in book one. And that is simply because book one of the series um, is, I mean, what happens in book one is introducing the audience not only to book one, but to the entire series at large. So just out of necessity, those two are going to overlap and kind of be the same. So um, we're going to use Harry Potter as an example, because this is actually a really good example of a series arc. The first book, we have The World Before, which was Harry before he knew he was a wizard and was living with the Dursleys, right? Um, I always say that the intro of the conflict introduces that there's something going on here, but it doesn't necessarily change the main character's world yet, okay? So the intro of the conflict for Harry would have been when he starts receiving letters from Hogwarts. It doesn't change his world in a big way at that moment because he has no idea what they are. He knows that something's going on. Someone's trying to send him a letter and, you know, his aunt, aunt and uncle don't want him to get it, but... Nothing really changes for him. He's still at the mercy of his aunt and uncle. He's still living there, and nothing has really rocked his world yet. He just knows something weird is going on. The call to action, then, is going to be when he actually finds out about Hogwarts, and that does change his world. Not only is he not living with his aunt and uncle anymore, but he has learned that he is a wizard. I mean, that really rocks his reality. Okay? So those are going to be your first three points, and they're going to be the same for the first book and also for the series at large. From there, I would say that J.K. Rowling, whether she was doing it consciously or not, did a pretty good job of making sure that the climactic moments in 
each of the books of her series did kind of line up with these plot points. She was telling a story based on the human template. And again, I'm, I'm not saying that she did or didn't do it on purpose. Some people are natural storytellers and can do that without much planning. And I certainly don't think she calls it that because that's my term that I use. But even so, um, her storytelling does match up with this kind of arc, right? So at the end of Harry Potter 1, The Sorcerer's Stone, we end with Harry having faced off against Voldemort, but only as a spirit, right? It wasn't a real face-off. It was um, more quirrel, and it was kind of the ghost of Voldemort in, you know, kind of a phantasmic form. And what really jumps out at me is that at the end of it, Harry asks, you know, have we defeated Voldemort for good? Is he gone for good? And Dumbledore very gently tells him, well, unfortunately, even without the Sorcerer's Stone, there are ways in which he can return. So to me, that is very indicative of the call to adventure because now Harry is in this world and we know that Voldemort is out there and can return and Harry's going to have all these adventures but at the end of book one in terms of the series arc I still feel like we're at that call to adventure moment okay by Dumbledore saying that he's saying okay Harry let's get on this roller coaster because Dumbledore's out there and it's going to happen eventually but for right now we're just getting into things okay so the next plot point after that is the early story escalation, which just means things escalate, things get more dangerous. In um, when you're planning your book, this is, usually looks like um, things getting complicated, the, the tension is rising, you know, suspense, things like that. The character is learning new things, but um, there. Remember that the first half of the story, the character is always reacting to what's going on, and the turning point comes when the character goes from reaction to action. So for the early story escalation, they're still reacting to things. So let's look at Harry Potter 2 and 3. In the second one, uh, we get another face down with Voldemort, only it's Tom Riddle in diary format, right? And again, this is something that just happens to Harry. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely things that he purposely goes after, like looking for um, the Chamber of Secrets and trying to figure out who the heir is. But in general, this is just something that's happening to him. He didn't ask for it, right? And he just has to react to it when he ends up in the Chamber of Secrets, when Ginny ends up down there and he ends up having to fight this version of Voldemort. Um, so I would call that an early story escalation in terms of the entire plot arc. Um, I would say the same thing about book three. We're learning new things. Um, that Sirius was not the bad guy Harry thought he was. That this is actually his godfather. Um, we're learning truths about what happened back when Harry's parents were killed. About um, who... I'm blinking on the, the real name of Ron's rat, but the guy who was posing as Ron's rat for a long time. You know, all of that stuff. It's not really changing Harry's world all that much. He's still going to school. Voldemort is still out there. You know, in, in terms of the big uh, thousand foot view, nothing has really changed. He's just learning things. He is having some, uh, certainly there's some emotional reactions going on to that. And he is learning and changing and growing as a character. But overall, at the end of book three, he's still coming back to Hogwarts next year. Nothing's really changed. And we're just moving forward. Okay, so both of those, I would say book two and book three, both count as early story escalations. Okay, we have not hit the turning point for Harry in the series yet. I would argue that the turning point comes at book four. Because what happens at the end of book four? Voldemort comes back in the flesh and there is a murder and there is a human sacrifice and Harry is literally tied up and they cut him and it's very dark and very, very traumatic, right? But the difference here is that up until now, Voldemort was just this nebulous 
presence that was out there somewhere. And so Harry was very much reacting to what was happening around him. But after this, Voldemort is back. And this is a full-on war at this point. Okay, so you can see how that is the turning point in the series because everything changes right there. Um, and then going forward, suddenly Harry, we hear him saying things like, I want to fight. I want to create an army. If there's going to be a war, I'm there. I'm front and center. I'm going to be on the front lines. Okay, so you can see that he's gone from reaction and just sort of letting things act upon him and around him to being very um, preemptive in what he's trying to do, actually creating action plans, right? Okay, that is very much what happens in a single book, and you can see it happening in the Harry Potter series at large, okay? So I would argue that the end of book four is the turning point, the midpoint. So the next plot point we have in the 10 plot points are the is the late story escalation. Now, remember that the late story escalation, it mostly just needs to be a lot bigger than the early story escalation. Very often, this is where we get something tragic happening, like a death of a, of a good guy, you know. Um, but it can also be losing a war, um, having someone be betrayed, um, having something else tragic happen. It doesn't have to be a death, maybe the loss of a relationship or um, the loss of a, a family in more of an emotional context. You know, it can be just about anything and it's going to depend on the genre that you're writing. It's going to look different for different genres. So what happens in Harry, the end of Harry Potter 5 and 6? I'm going to argue that both of those count as late story escalations because both of them end in a really, really tragic death for Harry. Okay, first there's Sirius and then there's Dumbledore and both of those things affect him deeply and change who he is moving forward and change the way he's going to approach um, facing down with Voldemort in the end, right? So I would call both of those late story escalations just because of what happens there and the gravity of it. So then we get to the final few plot points. And much like I said at the beginning that the you know first three plot points are kind of out of necessity going to happen all in the first book, I would say... It doesn't 100% have to be, but nine times out of 10, the last three or four plot points are probably all going to happen in the final book. And that is because your final book is going to be the climactic moment of your entire series. Um, and chances are you're not going to have two or three installments of, you know, quote unquote, falling action for the, uh, the series arc, right? No, I'm not saying it's not possible to maybe, depending on how you write, have one book that deals with the first face-off between the protagonist and antagonist, and then the second book qualifies as the uber despair, and the third book qualifies as the aha moment. I mean, anything's possible. I, I haven't seen that done in a way that jumps to mind, <laughs> and it seems to me like that would be really complicated to do, and you risk um, having entire books where people are not exactly sure where you're going with things. So I would, especially the first time you're doing this, I would recommend maybe just keeping the last three points, which are all kind of encompassed in the climactic moment in one book, and that is what she does with Harry Potter. So remember that in terms of the 10 plot points, we have the climax or the climactic moment, and then the uber despair, the aha moment, and the resolution. And really, those don't have to go chronologically. They're all just kind of encompassed in the climactic scene of the novel, right? Because the climactic moment is always going to be the beginning of the face-off between your protagonist and whoever your biggest villain or antagonist is. The uber despair is a moment when they really don't think they're going to achieve victory, whatever that looks like in your book. They don't think they're going to pull this off. They don't think they're going to win. But then something happens and they have an aha moment, a light bulb moment um, that makes them realize not only that they will win, but it tells them how they're going to win. And then they do. And then the resolution is just the falling action after that climax happens. So if you look at Harry Potter, um, all of this does happen in the seventh book. 
it's going to be the face-off, the final face-off between Harry and Voldemort for real. Um, and I think, you know, there are times, in, in his case, I would argue that there's a few different, I mean, you can have multiple climactic moments, sort of rolling climactic moments if you want, just because there's um, subplots and different things going on. So one of Harry's big uber despair moments was when he walked out to sacrifice himself to Voldemort. He really thought, okay, this is it. I'm going to have to die so that other people can live. And this is just what it's going to be. So that was a moment of deep despair for him. Um, but then he has this vision of Dumbledore and that I would say is his light bulb moment when he realizes, wait a minute, there's something else going on here. This had to happen this way, but maybe this is not the end of the line. But then of course, you know, when he goes back, he also physically faces off with Voldemort. Um, so the point is that all of those last four points are in Harry Potter seven and I'm not going to try to be super specific about where they are because everyone's probably going to find them a little bit differently. But, you know, it's a very beloved story and there's a lot going on in that seventh book. But the point is you can see the human template in the entire series arc of Harry Potter. And whether J.K. Rowling purposely planned it that way or not, the fact remains her story does fit into that arc. Okay, and that is why, one of the many reasons why, it resonated so deeply with audiences. So that is what you're trying to do. You're basically just taking the same thing that you would use to plan a single book and planning an entire series using it. Now, I said I wasn't going to go into great detail about the internal arc, and that is because it depends on um, what exactly you're using to plan your internal arc. It's going to be a little different for everyone. But you would do the same thing. You would figure out what your internal arc is, and then you can break it up based on the change the characters go through, the climactic moment of each book. But here's the thing. I already said that depending on how long your series is, you might not want to keep every plot point in line with the climactic moment of installment because maybe you don't want to write that many installments and that's fine. So here's where I'm going to give you a little bit of a caution. I always say you shouldn't use the 10 plot points to first come up with your story. And the reason for that is that you're more likely to write to a cliche or to, um, you know, you shouldn't try to force your story into those plot points because it's too easy to make it feel contrived when you do that. Rather, I would rather you come up with the plot of your story and then compare it to the plot points to see if there's anything you're missing. So the same is going to be true of creating an arc for your entire series. Um, because it would be difficult, as I said, to try and force your story into X amount of installments if your story just really isn't shaped that way, right? So it would be better, I'm going to tell you right now, the best thing you can do and what I do is figure out what the plot of your story is. Figure out what the internal and the external is for your entire series. Then after that, you can figure out how you want to break it up. So if you're only writing a three or four book series, you might have one or two plot points per book, and that's fine. Um, if you're writing a longer series, like a 15 book series, then you might have multiple escalations. You know, I mean, actually, Harry Potter did, right? It had what I would consider to be um, two early story escalations and two late story escalations throughout the course of the series. And that's just 100% going to depend on you and what your series is about and how many installments you have. The great thing about using this template is that you might find that you have a lot more installments than you first realized. Maybe you think you only have enough to fill three books and it's going to be a trilogy, but once you start going through this and looking at the 
10 plot points and thinking, okay, how could I incorporate that? Suddenly you've got a lot more material and you're going, oh, no, actually, you know what? I think this is a five book series. Oh, wait, you know what? It might be a seven book series. So the, the plot points can help you with that. And, and again, it's the same thing with the internal arc. Do the exact same thing. Figure out what your overall internal arc is and then decide how you're going to break it up by installments. And that is how you plan an entire series arc. Um, so again, keep it to the bare bones. I don't want you writing so much detail into the outline of every single book because by the time you get to book seven out of seven, it's probably going to look a lot different than what you originally planned. And that's perfectly okay. In fact, it should be that way because that's what inspiration does for us and, you know, writing as we go. But if you have the basic plan, you say, okay, I know that this character um, is going to change in X, Y, and Z ways, and that's what I'm headed toward. And in the very last book, he's going to face off against his nemesis, and he's going to win. At least that way, you have a structure for your series, and you know what you're headed toward. And even if you add an installment there or decide to add in this little subplot here, you're still going to know where it's headed. So you will still be able to stay on the rails and have a really cohesive story that feels like when you started it, you knew exactly where you're going to end up. And then, like I said, it gives you the feel of destiny. Okay. So that's how I would go about doing it. <laughs> that's how I go about doing it. And of course you can use any story structure system you want to help fill things in or take you in new directions if that's something you need. But I think the most important thing is to know where you're starting and where you're ending and then use the, you know, any kind of plot point to just keep you on course because we all know that it's very easy to get off course, to go off the rails, to go off on a tangent. And so at any given point, you can say, okay, I'm kind of going off on this tangent. Is this going to get me to where I need to go in the end? Yes or no? If the answer is no, then maybe consider cutting that, you know? Um, is it serving the overall arc of the story? If no, then maybe it was a fun tangent, but it doesn't need to be in the book in the end, okay? But I also always like to say that if you have something that you really love and are really passionate about and it doesn't really fit into the overall, overall arc that you originally planned, there are plenty of ways to make it fit without making it contrived. And what I mean is you can use the plot points and say, okay, how can I incorporate this so that it does relate to the overall story arc? And anything because I'm not a big fan of cutting your darlings. If they have absolutely nothing to do with where you're going, then of course they need to be cut. But if, you're, if you have a scene that you're really passionate about, I am much more of the thought that you can work that in. You can um, find a way to make it re relate to the rest of the story so that you can keep it. Because if it's something that you have passion for, then it's something your reader will have passion for too. And I would rather you found a way to incorporate it so that you can keep it rather than just cutting it. But that's also a kind of a, <laughs> a discussion for another time. So I hope this is helpful and that anyone who's struggling with how to plan a series arc will find this helpful. Once again, you can get that PDF, the 10 uh, plot thickening events for a page turning story at, um, let's see, it's at bit.ly forward slash 10 plot, but I will link it up in the show notes so you can click on it. All right. So everybody have a great week and, uh, go plan some amazing series arcs and then let me know how it goes. And I will be back in a few days with more for you. I will see you then. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. Before you go, would you be willing to do me a solid? If you found any value at all in this episode today, would you be willing to share it with other authors just like you in the hopes that they might find some value in it as well? Happy story crafting this week. Remember, only you can bring the world the unique story that you are trying to tell. 
Only you can succeed in your own unique way in getting it out of your mind and your heart and into a medium where it can reach thousands if not millions of salivating readers. You don't have to worry about failure because there is always a market for awesome.